0: The road to the 109th Great Cup for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The kick is
1: up. The kick is good. Seth Small has done it. The Tiger Cats have won.
0: Can be heard daily here on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. This is Speaking, Speaking with the, the enemy. enemy on the Tie Cats Audio Network. Here is Louis Vitko. Yes, the show Speaking with the Enemy Playoff Edition. Playoffs, there's that word again as the Tie Cats get set for the Montreal Alouettes in Montreal. And to uh, get us set for that game, we're very pleased to be joined by TSN 690, Sean Campbell. And uh, Sean, uh, the Alouettes have beaten the Tie Cats already this season a couple of times. And maybe. A concussion spotter away from beating him a third time but what's the confidence level of this owls group do you get the sense of going into this game
1: oh uh, the owls are very confident heading into this game with the tie cats i mean they can't look past this past season if they look uh to any playoff <laughs> matchup in the last couple of decades uh that confidence will disappear but the confidence with this group knowing that they're a different team that has faced the tie cats in the past before they are very confident they had a players only meeting this week and it wasn't because you know anything was wrong you know the players only meeting is like we need to fix this that wasn't the case they were like hey we're gonna have a players only meeting let's see what we want to do and what we want to accomplish and the players came out of that with this whole new sense of uh understanding who they are and what they want to establish in these playoffs uh the alouettes have been one of those teams, like Hamilton, you could even put Ottawa and Toronto in that mix in the East Division, that have had some highs and some lows. But I do believe they are confident in their game against Hamilton this weekend. Well,
0: well some of those lows, one of those lows in particular, was the dismissal of their head coach, who will be watching this game uh, from Molson-Percival Stadium, although from uh, with different colors on. I mean, really, when you look at the, it, it has been a tale of two seasons. How did Danny Machocha? get this team back on track following uh Kahari Jones' dismissal.
1: Yeah. So it's funny you say tail two seasons. Uh Danny <laughs> Machocha the other day, he said it was a tail of three seasons. He said okay. it was, uh, they got off to that one and three start and then they had to make that t- decision. Uh, sorry, I said it was Danny Machojo that said it, it was their president, Mario Cicchini. Mm-hmm. It was President Mario Cicchini. He said, in discussions with Danny, we say it's a tale of three seasons. So, uh, sorry, I just want to get that quote right. <laughs> uh, because we, we chatted with Mario Cicchini on our show yesterday as we were uh, covering practice uh, under strict observations that we were not allowed to talk about the plays that they were practicing. Yes. Um uh,
0: get on closed practices uh, this time of year, you know, yeah. cover your eyes. I don't know what I'm watching. Yeah. 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 I get you. I hear you. Yeah.
1: So, so he said it was the, the first uh, one and three start and the difficult decision that they had to make around Kari Jones. No one in this organization doesn't like Kahari. I think anybody who has come across with him in the Hamilton organization knows that this, this is a great a human, this is a great guy. So that felt bad. Then they, they continued, and then they had another one in three a stretch of games, and they sat in two and six. As uh, Machocha and, and Cicchini put it, that was the adjustment period, trying to establish uh, new elements in offense, trying to establish new elements on defense because Baron Miles left, trying to uh, get the discipline under wraps because they just kept costing themselves with penalties after penalties. And it did, wasn't like night and day the moment Machocha came over. It still took a couple of weeks. They sat at two and six. And then they said in the last 10 games, they wanted to go 10 and 0 but the management and ownership was like you need to go 7 and 3 to get to 900 here. This is important. And they did. They went 7 and 3 so then that last tail of the season is who they really
0: think they are. I I'm part of this. I mean, I'm just thinking you're talking about these tail of 3 seasons and I guess that's the the great thing about the the CFL is that it started way back in May. And if I had told you back in May that Trevor Harris was going to be setting getting the start At quarterback, I mean, all the things that Trevor Harris went through this past offseason, coming back, having to answer those questions. How has he handled everything this season? And and what have you learned about this guy who's been around the league for so long? uh, But what have you learned from him, particularly in these last stretch of games? Uh,
1: The consistency and it's it's. Unbelievable, you see one is completion percentage is at 70, 71. You look at every game. It's not like he has a game where he's at 50% and then another game that he's at 85% and then it all evens out at 70%. No, every game he's at 70% completion percentage. He's not putting up six touchdowns or five touchdowns a game. No. And he will have the odd turnover, but he's a very good game manager. I, I think that there are times that he wants to work on his red zone and 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 that decision making he wishes he sometimes had a little bit more time or he could buy time a little bit with his legs but he understands that he's at a different stage of his career but he's taking control and he's taking that leadership role and i think even as backup heading into the season he had the right mentality i thought vernon adams jr had the right mentality when he was a starter or or the backup of course all these guys want to run the show and be the guy but i think that you know as a starter or a backup coming into the season trevor harris had the right mindset and i think that's one of the reasons why they turned to him so early in the season
0: yeah i uh, i mean he he is he is very familiar with the tycats he's seen him a lot i was pointed yeah. out to us this week uh with three different teams uh he has run into them in the east division playoffs including the edmonton Elks a few years ago uh do you feel like he's maybe feeling the pressure and that you know he does have that great cup ring he's a great cup champion but he hasn't done it as the guy do you feel like do you think he's feeling the pressure going into this playoffs
1: I think he'd like to, you know, uh, be the guy and make sure that he gets to that next level. But I I don't know if he's actually feeling the pressure. I I spoke with him after practice yesterday down on the field. I had a good, you know, five minutes one-on-one. And, like, he just looked focused and ready. He didn't look like a guy that was nervous and worried about the outcome of the game. He already, he was telling me, he goes, look at the games that we played against Hamilton. This is going to go down to the wire. And it seemed like a guy that was ready to have the ball in his hands to make the decision down at the line. And that, you know, if you're nervous or you're feeling the pressure, you want the ball in someone else's hand. And he looked like he wanted to be the guy. And he knew that this was not going to be two quarters of perfect football and then sit back and watch the rest of the game. This was going to be four full quarters and it will likely come down to the last play because that's what happens between montreal and hamilton i really can't wait for this game oh,
0: should be a great one uh player to watch william stanback for sure only five games during the regular season what have you seen from him he, he's looked awful this week at practice hasn't he come on give tell me tell me some good news from the ticats perspective he looks rusty doesn't he uh
1: Cats, watch out okay <laughs>
0: like this This guy, and and here's here's
1: the big thing. Okay, I understand he got hurt in the first game of the season and then he had all this time off and he's come back. The Alouettes have slow played this. They really, really have. Since he's come back, they play three running backs. They've limited his touches when he played those two games against Ottawa uh, to 10, about 10 touches a a, a game. And then uh, he got more in the third game and he only played half the game last week against Toronto just to keep him fresh. But every single game don't look at the yards don't just look at the yards and say every single game there's another gear on this guy this guy does not have 3 months of a CFL grind of the season on his back he is a guy that's about to hit his stride and he he had big expectations this year he wanted 2000 yards he wanted to be the most outstanding player that was taken away from him he wants something else and that's the Grey Cup right now so i be very careful about what Will Stamback's going to do this weekend.
0: Well, never underestimate the uh a running back who has missed games. you know, I go back to obviously not a great comparison, but Andrew Harris had to sit out a few games back in 2019. Uh, and we all know what he did to the TICATS uh that season in the in the postseason, including the great cup. Uh Eugene Lewis, obviously he has the Ticats number. It seems like every single time you know even last game he didn't put up a lot of yards but he did finish with two touchdowns and he comes up clutch for this team you know those those third down conversions in the fourth quarter if the tie catch shut him down what's the what's the rest of the receiving uh I know they're not going to shut him down but if they do slow him down what's the rest of the receiving game look like this week
1: yeah, so there's 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 the the big factor that could be. I understand that in the trenches, can the Owls stop the the pass rush of the Hamilton? Uh, you know, can Will stand back, find his groove? Will Trevor Harris not have any turnovers? But to me. It's the decisions that Hamilton's going to be making defensively around Eugene Lewis. Any play that he's in one-on-one coverage, I expect the ball to go to him. I really do. And I, I expect Hamilton, for the most part, to double up on Eugene Lewis. That puts pressure on the rest of the receiving core, like you said, they lost Reggie White Jr., their, their number two receiver, uh, a couple weeks ago. And the rookie, Tyson Philpott, is filling in. Dynamic, yes, but brand new position late in the season. Uh, brand new responsibilities. But over the last two to three weeks, Jake yeah. Winicky is starting to look like Jake Winicky of last year, yeah. where he was one of the top guys in the receptions, top guys in uh, touchdowns. He was not the same Jake Winicky to start things off. He had a hamstring injury. It slowed him up. Uh, they turned to Reggie White Jr. a little bit more than they turned to Reggie uh, to Jake Winicky. But there has been a pro, uh, progress on those second downs and eight, those second downs and ten. Jake Winnikey is coming up with big catches. He has limited amount of catches this year, but it seems like every catch he makes – is important and he had a hundred yard game the other uh, a couple weeks ago this is a player that i think could have a big impact on this game because of the double team i think the owls are expecting on eugene lewis
0: uh montreal is always such a tough place to play we hear that from guys all the time here in hamilton uh in the playoffs it's been a while um what does it mean for this city to host a home playoff game. It's not the East final, but it's still a home playoff game. What does it mean? Uh, and, And what are you expecting out of that crowd come Sunday?
1: Yeah, I think it means a lot to the organization. They, you know, the gate revenue loss season. This is a, an organization with the owner question marks, if you want to put it that way. And, Making uh, money uh, with a football team and the CFL in Montreal is not something that's very easy. So for the organization, it is huge. Already over uh, 20,000, expecting a sellout uh, just a couple thousand away from getting that sellout. I, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen. Uh, the last few crowds have been amazing. And the games, win or lose for the Owls, have been close. And that's what brings people back, is that they're bringing an entertaining style of football. And uh, these uh, Owls fans, when they come out in numbers, Montreal knows how to put on a show, knows how to support their team. It's a small stadium. It's quaint. It's tightly packed. Uh, and it's supposed to be, you know, it might rain, but yeah. the weather is supposed to be real nice. We've I mean, I have not you know, I've I've gone to every single Owls game this year yeah. and this is home or away. Ooh, there has not been one bad weather game. Uh, the the it's we're in november and i was out in a t-shirt on the field at practice yesterday so uh that's the kind of atmosphere that puts people in a good mood i'm expecting a great crowd on sunday
0: yeah it sh- should be absolutely fantastic and uh and and i mean maybe with the with the canadians where they are right now is this an opportunity for you know montreal for the alouettes to really Be that team right now. I mean, uh, I feel like a deep playoff run would go a long way for this organization in that city. Uh, I think about that all the time. Uh, I always say, in the months of
1: July and August, the Alouettes and uh, CF Montreal—that's your window. Maybe even a bit in September. If you go on a bit of a run in August and September before the Canadians take all the news cycles away, that is your chance. But uh, you know, the one thing that Montrealers will do. They will come out for winners. The CF Montreal finished second in their conference and down the stretch, every single game beside one horrendous weather game, uh, was sold out at the uh, Saputo Stadium down the stretch, as The owls started to win and you look at the numbers attendance wise. They were at 13, 14, 15 when they were at two and six. They got, they started winning. They went seven wins and three down the stretch, uh, in their last 10 you're getting 19, 20, 21,000 every game. It, the, Montreal will come out if you win. Uh, so yeah, this is a big, big selling point for the organization uh, this weekend. And getting a win at home would do a lot of good heading towards next season's uh, you know, uh, ticket sales for, for season tickets and bringing people back
0: well sean this show is called speaking with the enemy so unfortunately i'm not sure if you're gonna have a lot of people nodding their head in agreement uh with you on that last one but i appreciate that you made the point that's what we bring you on here for yeah no problem <laughs> i i enjoy I, I enjoy coming up yeah absolutely i know you're a busy man uh, you got laval trying to get uh, back on the a uh, winning note uh, a tough loss to the marlies how do you see them shaking back out this weekend yeah,
1: they got uh, the Marleys and Lehigh Valley back to back, so uh, it's going to be uh, uh, tough for them. They got to figure out some way, oh, somehow, nice. to. Uh, um you know, just find a little consistency out there. Maybe they were hoping uh, to get Hamilton's own uh, hmm. Arbor Jack eye back in uh, Laval, uh, but that doesn't seem the case. It, he's, it, he's just running the show out in Montreal.
0: Took my last question right. How how much is Montreal loving this guy? Wi-Fi? Oh. Uh, they loved him here, and you know he was only here in Hamilton for a little bit. Obviously he was traded, uh, but a Hamilton boy. Uh, I, I get the sense uh, he's he's already a fan favorite there.
1: Oh, it's just you, you just once. And, you know, everybody I, I kind of laugh at this right. You, you know how social media is fighting yeah. should be banned. You <laughs> shouldn't do it anymore. One fight with Matt Cashin, the place explodes and say, this is the kind of guy that the Canadians need. And not that it's the only thing he does is fighting. But he was on the second power play unit the other day. Uh, he's doing a lot, a lot of good things uh, for the Canadians. So, yeah, he's uh, he's a fan favorite. And Habs fans will be upset if he ever showed up in Laval. But I'd be happy to see him for a game or two. But, I mean, not, not not for his sake, but that would be for my sake.
0: Well, I know minority Canadians owner Michael Lower happy to see him in the red and white. <laughs> uh, we are too. Uh, Sean, I know you're a busy man. So, thank you so much for making the time this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. No problem, man. My thanks to Sean Campbell for joining me today. He's the play-by-play voice of the Montreal Alouettes on TSN 690. And my thanks to you as well speaking with the enemy is brought to you by red tag there's nothing like a holiday escape with redtag.ca and this year spaces are limited so make sure to book in advance to secure your spot on the beach now and be married later see the world your way with redtag.ca catch a brand new episode of speaking with the enemy as part of tiger cats pregame at 12 o'clock on sunday with bob o'neill and andy fan and for all your Cats audio network needs just go to listen.ticats.ca i'm louis butco hope you have a great day The Tie Cats begin the playoffs. Hopefully, you'll see us again coming down King or Main Street when it really counts. <laughs> and you'll hear it all here on the Tie Cats Audio Network.